0: invite you to join me in standing for the reading of God's Word. Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to be and I'll begin reading in a moment verse 15. Luke chapter 14 and verse 15 the Bible says this and when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things he said unto him blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Now we won't read all the backstory but we find there was there was Jesus, he was sitting at meat, he was having a meal at a feast. And, and so a man says to Jesus, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. That was his statement made to Jesus Christ. So from that statement, verse 16, then said he unto him. So Jesus now is replying. He said, A certain man made a great supper, and he bade or invited many, and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all, with one consent, began to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground. I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I have to go prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and showed his lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to the servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded, and yet there's room. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my Supper. I want you to look near the middle of verse twenty-three. Just two words there that will really serve as the center of what we'll build this message around. Just two words in the middle of verse twenty-three. These words: "Go out, go out." When you get home today, if someone asks you, "What did you talk about at church this morning?" you could say, "Go out." Those are the words of Jesus Christ, and I believe they're His words for us today. Go. Out in fact, let's say those two words together this morning ready begin Go out. Let's try it one more time ready begin go Out our father we're thankful for your word and your love and for uh, The opportunity today really as a church family to kind of step aside from our normal routine and have more or less a church meeting uh, Considering your words and I pray that you'd be honored through it. We ask this prayer in jesus name Amen. Thank you. You may be seated In this passage, Jesus is sitting at a meal in the home of a very religious man, a religious leader, a powerful man, a connected man and and here he 's sharing this meal and and as they were there doing what we might call entertaining, it was really more than that. You see, in Bible times, it was a great matter of status when you had people into your home and, and who you had and how many you had spoke highly of of you and so Jesus is here, and there was a lot of politicking going on if someone had you over to their home for dinner it may Maybe it was a way to repay a favor or to get you in debt so that you then would, would owe them one. And Jesus wasn't the type of man who was interested in politicking and maneuvering in that way. And so as he's here at this meal, he begins to share some parables or, or heavenly stories with earthly meanings. And he begins to tell the people of the value of living a life that shares God's love and God's kindness now in the course of his talk. He, he said prior to where we read he had made a statement that that will be recompensed at the resurrection He was talking about eternal life. Jesus put put his conversation on a, on a heavenly plane And it was in response to that conversation that the man at the feast told Jesus, blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. And that was kind of that man's way of saying, Jesus, you're talking about the resurrection, you're talking about eternal life. And this man, through that statement, was saying basically, and I'm going to be there. I'm going to be right in the middle of it all. And Jesus, in essence, responds to that man by saying, oh, you will be. You will be. And he begins to tell this story, the story we read together. Now, to really understand this story, it would be helpful for us to understand a little bit more of the culture of the time. For example, if I invited you guys to my house, I'd say, hey, why don't you come over? We'll get together Friday night, let's say 6 o'clock, and and the appointment would be set, and you would know it's Friday night at 6 o'clock, we're going to get together. In Bible times, it didn't really work that way. What would happen is a servant would go out representing his lord or his master and, and he would go to the guests and he would invite them to come to a feast on a particular day. They would just emphasize the day, and, and people would respond, yes, we'll come, and they were on the list, and, and then later we know that the servants would go back, and, and uh, they would say, hey, dinner's almost ready, come now. You see, the feasts were so elaborate, and they'd have to make so many preparations and, and all that was happening, so the, the the master of the feast would prepare the meal, and when they were getting close, the servants would then go out and say, hey, you said you were coming, dinner's going to be on in just a few minutes, we'll see you over there. dinner, So there wasn't really an appointment, there was just a day, and you'd set your whole day aside for this, and you'd be called when the feast was to begin. But as the guests are informed, they had already agreed to come, as they're informed that the meal's just about ready, it's time to come over, one man said, you know, I can't make it today, I've got to go check on a piece of property. Now I won't go into all the background, but buying a piece of property at this particular time in world history was a very elaborate process And surely this man would have had other opportunities to go look at his land. Not to mention, this would have been afternoon, heading into evening time. It's not the best time to survey a piece of property as the sun is setting and things are are getting dark. And so he made an excuse. Another man said, you know, I've just bought some oxen and i got to go check them out. His words were, he said, i got to go prove them. Now, we all know that you don't buy a car and then test drive it. The test drive comes before the purchase. This man surely would have looked at those oxen prior to buying them, but, but he gives this story, and again, as the first man did, he, he gave an excuse. And then the final man said, and I'm quoting here, he said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. Now, of all the guys, he probably had the best excuse, huh? He said, my wife won't let me come, and, and that was his excuse. But again, in Bible times, the process of becoming married was was an elaborate, very long process, and and surely this man would have known when he was invited to the feast if there would have been a conflict, and, and clearly he should have kept the commitment that he made. And he, like the others before him, gave excuse. They made an excuse. I heard of a pastor one time that said this. He said, an excuse is the skin of a reason stuffed with a lion. One man has said, the person who's good at excuses is usually not good at anything else. And if what you're looking for in life to get out of what it is you should be doing is an excuse, you'll never be at a loss because looking for your car keys can be very, very difficult. Looking for an excuse, not so much. Excuses are everywhere, and if that's what it's going to take to prevent you from doing something, you'll have no reason ever to do anything because excuses abound. They're everywhere. And our world is filled with people who had every good intention initially when when the invitation came they thought I should be a part of that yes I'll do it yes I want to be involved count me down sign me up I'll be there but when it comes right down to keeping the commitment the excuses are made Now the host of the feast was obviously irritated he was irritated because he'd invited these guys, and they'd said they would come. And, and I mean, he's bringing in cattle to have them barbecued, and he's going through all the process, and, and he gets a little bit irritated. And again, just imagine how, how you'd feel if you invited a bunch of friends over for dinner, and you'd worked really hard to clean the house, the meal was ready to go. They all said they'd be there, and one by one, at the last minute, after you've done all the work, one by one, they call and say, hey, we're not coming, and they offer up really lame excuses. You can see right through it. I think it would irritate all of us. In this story, we're going to see that applications need to be made from the interpretation. And and really, the picture here is a picture of God as the leader of the feast. Now, it seems strange that the Bible tells us that the man leading the feast was angry, but that's a Bible word, and we don't often think of God as as angry but we have to know that there is a side of god where where judgment comes now I don't want to be a judgmental person But how many of you know it's okay for god to be judgmental because he's the judge, okay He can offer judgment. He can render judgment. He doesn't just see our actions He sees the hearts from which they they come in proverbs chapter 1 the bible says this Because I have called and you refused I've stretched out my hand and no man regarded but you've said it not to all my counsel. In other words, you said no to my counsel. And with none of my reproof, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your fear cometh. What's the Bible saying there? Hey, I invited you, and you said you'd come, and you did not come. Therefore, you're going to miss out on all the good that I had for you. You've refused the blessings that I wanted to bring to your life. Now, the flip side of that is maybe a verse like Isaiah 55 and verse 6, where the Bible says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. I want you guys to know today, God is loving. And for those who reject his love, who spurn his invitation, who say no to his request we will be getting what it is we ask for by rejecting his love. We'll be getting a life that won't enjoy that relationship, that'll miss out on the peace and the grace that only really comes from a personal relationship with God. And so Jesus continues to unpack this story. And, and as we read, the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt." in the blind now this would have been a compelling story i mean as jesus is telling this those people listening to him would have thought wow that guy's inviting those kind of people to his house because again a feast like that was was kind of a, a thing that had to do with status and it was it was how powerful uh, you could get people to come the powerful and the connected and so forth and, and and the master of the house here says i want everybody think of that he didn't just want the elite he wanted everybody he said i don't care where they are I don't care what they've done or what they've experienced. I don't even care where you find them. I want everybody to be invited. Well, as Jesus tells his story, what happens? Well, the servants go out, and they try to tell everybody. And they come back, and, and, and they tell the, the master of the feast, hey, we've done what you've said. In fact, specifically what they said, they said, Lord, it's done as thou hast commanded. And here was the thing they put at the end. And yet there is room. And to that, the master of the feast said, Go out again. Go out again. He said, I want you to go out into the highways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What a great story Jesus told. Because he's illustrating to us how much love God has for everybody. It's, It's a God that says to the whole world, wherever you are, wherever you live, whatever you've done, whatever you've been through, I care about you, and I want you to be a part of the life that I have for you. We're to go out into the highways and hedges and compel them, to compel them. Now, as a church, we're heading into a season in which we want to emphasize this truth. There's never a bad time to tell people about Jesus, but there are some really excellent times. And for whatever season, the fall and the spring seem to be times when people are more open to receiving an invitation to church, for example, more receptive to the things of God. And this fall, we're asking God to allow us to live out his word in our lives in such a way that people can come to know him by the way we live, by what we do, and by the truths that we share. We have been called to go out, to go out. And in the verses before us, some questions that pertain to going out are answered. Now I want you to get your micro bulletins today. They're small ones today, aren't they? Little tiny bulletins I want you to get the sermon outline And I want us to see that God answers questions for us in the course of this study today So in relationship to this command in the Bible to go out What is it that we need to know? Well, here's the first question that I believe is answered by Jesus When are we to go out? When are we to go out? now Think of, of the words that the host said when he spoke to his servants. He said, go out quickly. Now, yes, they were to move quickly. He was saying, go out, and when you're out, be quick about it. But he was basically saying, go out now. Get busy. Now's the time. Uh, the table is, is set. The dinner's done. It, it, it's, it's, it's something that required some urgency. There had to be a little passion in their hearts as they went. Hey, I want you to go now, and let's get, let's get this job done together. You know, one of the byproducts, I believe, of our current or our recent sermon series on the last days was the reality that Jesus is coming again. And we're not to live through life all casually and cavalier like we've got all the time in the world, there needs to be a sense of urgency. There needs to be a, a compelling factor in our lives and in our speech that would bring others to Jesus Christ. Now, you would say, well, I don't know that Jesus is going to come again in my lifetime. Well, I, I'm hoping he'll come in my lifetime. I'm, I'm believing for that. But, but if we lived a very long earthly life, it's still really not that long. And time moves very quickly. I do believe Jesus is coming again. I I think of David one time who made this statement in 1 Samuel. He said the king's business required haste. He was saying in essence, you know, if you're serving the king, it should just go without saying that there should be a sense of urgency. There should be a haste about it. The writer of Hebrews one time said this, And so much the more as you see the day approaching. Friends, I'm just saying the day is approaching. We have a limited amount of time as the servants of God. And what we are to do is to invest our lives. When? Now. Now's the time. He said, go out and go out quickly. But the next question that this text deals with is where are we to go out? Where? So Jesus shares an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's what parables are, and that's how Jesus taught. And, and we, we find that, uh, that, that there's an application here. And in principle, we find some clear direction on where we are to go in our witness for christ now in the text we read a moment ago I, I wanted to lift a few words out to kind of paint a picture of where it is that we're to go here are some of the words we read from jesus streets lanes city poor maimed halt blind highways hedges what is jesus saying through all of those words he's saying here here's what you need to do you need to go everywhere to everybody don't discriminate, don't pick and choose, go everywhere to everybody. Did you know that our God is an equal opportunity God? He doesn't discriminate against anybody based on race or education or economics or social standing. In fact, probably the most definitive verse in all of the Bible that deals with the love of God is John 3, 16, where the Bible says, for God so loved The world and the use of the word world in that verse isn't referring just to the planet and the trees and so forth. It's the people that live on this planet. God loves everybody. He doesn't pick and choose. He says, I want you to go out to everyone, to everyone. Uh, One of the great compliments that is given to our church on occasion is when people visit and they look around and, and they'll say, you know, this is a pretty diverse church. A pretty diverse church. Now, when you have multiple services, we don't see everybody all at the same time. But if you were to observe Coastline, uh, it's a pretty diverse congregation. It's got a little bit of of everybody, and you know what I love about that? That's how heaven's going to be. Heaven's not a place where Americans go or where one race or another go, or people of a certain social standing go. Heaven's a place where people go who put their trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and the assurance of a home in heaven. I like how John wrote about heaven in the book of the Revelation. In Revelation 5, he said this, and they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood, and here's how he explains it, out of every kindred, and tongue, and people, and nation. John said, let me tell you about heaven. It's gonna have a little bit of everybody. People from every walk of life, people from every corner of of this world, they will be there. And the message of God's love is for everybody. So we need to go quickly, a sense of urgency. And we need to go thoroughly, we need to go to every place. And then here's a question that I think must be answered. The third question today is why? are we to go out why are we to go out now if what i read is correct about 98 percent of christians never tell one person about jesus christ and frankly as a pastor that kind of i don't really know how to justify that if we really believe that jesus is god the son that he is the way the truth and the life and that no man goes to the father but by him why then would people of faith not share their faith it would lead one to wonder if they've embraced it personally And I'm not seeking to judge you. Many times that statement is something that that judges my own lack of of, uh, 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 of, uh, uh, involvement in terms of passing out tracts, inviting people, talking about Jesus. But I think it's the issue of the why. Why is it that we're to go out? Well, I think I could say very simply today, it's God's will. It's God's will. Uh, I think of... What we read in Mark's Gospel, one man came to know Jesus, and Jesus said to him, and I quote, Go home. Go home. He told that man, listen, you've got a mission field in your family, and you've got neighbors around your home. I want you to go home. And some of us, one of the great applications we could take from from this study today is, you know, I'm going to go out by going home. I'm going to deal with those in my life, my family, my extended family, my neighbors, those that I know. I think of what we're reading here in in the Gospel of Luke. We're told to go out to every part of our community. Every part of our community. And then I think of the words in the Gospel of Mark in the end as Jesus gave the Great Commission and He said, Go ye into all the world. The reality is that God has commanded this to be done because He loves everybody and He's prepared a place for people to be with Him forever. And He doesn't want them to fall into the excuse trap of those we read about a moment ago. So yes, we're to go because it's God's will, but it's bigger than that. It's God's will because God loves people. And so he tells us, I want you to go out. That's that's why I want you to go. I love that that the Lord says here that my house may be filled, may be filled. You know, we have a big God with lots of love and he wants everybody to know about it. And frankly, there's something not right in the life of a Christian and in the life of a church. When we can go through life and never go out of our way to tell another person about a Savior that lived and died and was buried and rose again because of His great love for them. We're to go out and tell people. In the 1800s, there was a preacher by the name of D.L. Moody he had an amazing, amazing ministry. They say that more than one million people came to know Jesus through his preaching and teaching. He started a college in, in Chicago. It's still there today. It's called Moody Bible Institute. And, and this passage that I just read to you a moment ago was the passage that he preached from for his very last sermon. He was in Chicago, but he was going to preach in Kansas City. And, and shortly before traveling to Chicago, he was speaking to some of the uh, young men who were going to be preachers that were attending his college and and here's what he said and they said he said this with great passion he said i must have souls in kansas city he went on to say never never have i wanted so much to lead men and women to christ as i do at this time that was his heart's desire he just said man i've got to tell people about jesus at this time in his life he was older and not in great health and as he left for that meeting, he had, a, he had a pain in his chest. And on the platform, there was an organ that played along with uh, the music before he he preached. And he was feeling so bad that day, he literally held on to the organ as he preached that final message. And he preached about excuses from this very text. And at the end of that message, they say, uh, 50 people responded and accepted Jesus as their Savior. And of course, he was, he was so encouraged that people came to know Jesus. But but following that, that service, he, he never recovered and eventually... He died from the illness that he took that day to the platform. Now, my objective isn't to say, you know, if we're that sick, we're to, you know, go to the platform. No, my point is to say this what a beautiful thing it is when there's someone who's lived their life, yet they still maintain that passion that says, I just got to see people come to know Jesus. I can't bear the thought of my neighbor never hearing one time from me that I'm a believer. And that I care about them and that God cares about them. I can't bear the thought of working for years in a work environment where people never one time had an occasion at least to be invited to church by me. I can't bear the thought of people entering into eternity and I never did what God asked me to do by going out and sharing with them the love of Jesus Christ. We're to do what we do for the glory of God and for the good to others. We're to compel them to come in, the Bible says. And so the final question we'll deal with today is this. How are we going to go out? Now, as I said, when you study a parable of Jesus Christ, there's the interpretation, that's what he said, and then there's the application, because he was teaching in word pictures. He was telling a story that was illustrating a truth. And and so we've got to make an application. and, And it is true that there are some methods of evangelism that probably are more effective than others. I think we could understand that. I heard of a pastor who was approached by someone in the church, and they said to the pastor, I don't like the way you do evangelism. And the pastor said, Well, how do you do evangelism? And the man said, Well, I, I don't really do personal evangelism. The pastor said, Well, then I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it. <laughs> so we're not here to say this is the only way it should be done, but I think it's appropriate as a pastor to come before a church family and say, Listen, Uh, We'll invest the vast majority of sermons this year just talking about how your life can be enriched and how you can enrich the lives of others. But we're going to set a couple weeks aside to talk about how we as a church family can go out of our way to make sure that other people come to know Jesus. There there are just any number of different ways a church can come together uh, to work as a team to make this happen. But there is a way we're going to do it this fall. And again, not claiming it's the greatest, but I think it's a great plan. There, there are many ways to get the message of Jesus out to our world. But there's something special about a church family saying, Pastor, we agree that Jesus is God the Son that He's the Savior. And we agree to work together as a team so that more people can come to know Him. And this fall, we're going to do some things we've done many, many times. This fall, we're going to do some things we've never done before as a church. And I want to encourage each of you. I want to encourage you to get involved, to join in as we seek to go out. And I want to share some ways in which we can, we can go. If you, if you have your notes there, there are a few things that are listed. The first one there says community invitations community invitations uh, our city consists of about hundred and sixty-five uh, 170,000 people we've got about 35,000 homes we've had a process whereby we've broken our community down into into maps consisting of about a hundred homes per map every year we try to go to every home in Oceanside and we invite people to come we'll leave an invitation and uh, uh, frequently We'll have people that will come to church because someone left an invitation on on their door. And these opportunities in the fall and the spring are great opportunities for us. And as you leave today, if this is your church home, uh, I want you to know that uh, uh, the the maps are there, the invitations are there, and if we work together, uh, we 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 could cover our city quickly, thoroughly, with our church family mobilizing and saying, Pastor, I believe in the value of getting an invitation out. So the people can come to a place where they can hear about Jesus Christ. And we've got the community invitations out there. And I'd encourage you today, we'll talk more about this before we leave, but to go out and take a look at those. We have a project this time that we've never done before. We're calling Coastline Cares. As Matt came up earlier in the service, he's wearing that t-shirt that said Coastline Cares. And we've got projects that will be happening all across our our community. Some of the projects are listed on the Coastline Care card that's in your, your bulletin, the B1 of 250. Uh, we, we see underprivileged children, service project, police appreciation, military appreciation, pregnancy resource center, firefighter appreciation, uh, the meal preparation, the homeless shelter, on it goes, skate park, beach cleanup. We've got a variety of things that we're doing. And we're asking God to allow us to have teams that will mobilize and cover this North County area where we can put to practice what we believe in our hearts, where we can extend love and compassion and grace and kindness, knowing that that's representative of the heart of God. And as we go, and as we give, and as we share, and as we invest, we'll then have an opportunity to invite. And as we hear so often, people, they don't want to care how much you know, they want to know how much you care. And we believe that as we're involved that way, it's a great testimony, and God can use us in that way. And so as we close today, I'll be asking people in our church family, would you be willing to pick up a map and say, yeah, I'll, I'll invest 40, 45 minutes to go out to the neighbors in our community leaving leaving an invitation for them. I'll be a part of one of these teams that will go out and minister to people in their needs. I'll go out of my way to share love and kindness with others. The third item mentioned here just says personal invitations. There's nothing more powerful when it comes to inviting people to Jesus Christ than a personal invitation. Yesterday I had a funeral uh, in this room for a dear friend. A dear friend who came to know the Lord because he was, as he was walking on the beach one day, someone invited him to church. He responded to that invitation by saying, Sure, I'll come and visit. And after coming a week or two and hearing the, the gospel message, he had an opportunity to better understand it. He became a Christian. And, and 14 years later, he's in heaven today. Why? Because one person said, I'll go out of my way to extend a personal invitation. Now, as you leave today, you're going to find there's a lot of me- materials and resources in the back, and we'll talk about that more in a moment. But we have these personal-sized invitations. I didn't know that you guys would want to be taking a poster to pass out to friends at work and so forth. And, and so we've got these. It just says, Be My Guest. And on the back, it talks about a special Sunday that we're going to have in October, October 18th, just a couple weeks out. On October 18th, we're, we're going to have a great day. I'll be starting a new sermon series that Sunday called Gray Matters. Gray Matters. We're going to talk in that sermon series about what to do when you don't know what to do, but you've got to do something. We've all had those times. We're going to talk about how to be happy. Many people don't know how to be happy. We're going to talk about how to think like Jesus Christ in the crises of life, and and there are going to be a lot of great helps given in that sermon series. On that particular day, Open House Sunday, we're going to have a fall festival for the children. Uh, our youth group's having a special, uh, a special service entitled We Are Young. We're going to have a continental breakfast done really well with excellence for this service and the next one. We've, we've got a lot of great things planned on that day. And so as a church, I'm, I'm gathering us together today to say, listen, uh, let's, let's just have a church meeting here's what we want to do we want to get out into the highways and the hedges and we want to compel them to come in so that his house will be full we want to work together we want to invite our community at large we want to be good to people in general in a concerted way in our in our coastline cares projects and all of us we want to be very diligent to invite our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers and and on it could go so that on that great day we can get together and here's my commitment to you for october 18th i will pray I will fast, I'll confess any sin I'm aware of in my life and I'll do my best to stand behind this podium and with relevance, with as much humor as I can find, I'll share the gospel message in in as most simple a way as I possibly can and I'll do my very best to help your friends and your family and your guests and those you invite to know who Jesus is and to know why that is so important to them. I'm kind of like a coach today in front of a team. Saying we've got a big game coming up and we've all got to fulfill our roles We've all got something to do Hey, there's power in a church family saying let's get this done a few weeks ago We changed our order of service and our schedule. and We added a third service and i'm going to tell you what that's done It's given us the capacity to grow by 30 percent You guys know me those of you that don't know me uh cut me a little slack. Give me a little credit. Give me the benefit of the doubt until you get to know me. But those of you that know me, you know Coastline, we've never made growth our goal. God is our goal. Our desire is to do what we do to please Him, but it just so happens that it's pleasing to our God when we live out our faith. And so when we make goals at Coastline, they're not numeric goals, they're work goals. And our goal this fall is that we would come together and that as a mighty team, we go out And we tell people about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you why I bring messages to encourage you in your marriage and in your parenting and in your finances and in every area of life. It's so you can be strong, put together, and well equipped to be the soldier in the army of God that you've been called to be. So that you can be liberated and freed up to do what we're talking about right now. To be a minister in the work of God. Your life contains power. You have great ability today to bring other people to a place where they can come to know Jesus. And just like that video we saw at the beginning of the service, you never know what happens with your influence. It might be a flyer you give to one person who misplaces it and it's found by another and I can't tell you how many people come to Coastline, they can't even really recount all the steps that led to their coming, but they come and they, they have a major life change because they come to know Jesus Christ. You can make a difference. So I hope I'm being very clear today. Today's message was about we need to go out. And I'm inviting everybody in our church to say, Pastor, I'm on board. I'm not just a seat warmer. I'm not just a passive attender. I'm a part of the team. And I want my life to count. And one day I want to be able to come to the Lord of the Feast and say, Lord, we've we've done what you've told us to do. And I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. And this is a great opportunity for us to mobilize as a team to touch our region for the cause of Jesus Christ.